Midway through the week, couple of tame days in the Syracuse Twitter sphere and just orange land right now. But we're going to get into one thing that some people might be worrying about a little bit. It is Benny Williams. What is going on with him? He's only played in two games in his collegiate career, but I think you, both you and I thought he'd come out to a little bit of a hotter start. We're also looking at where Syracuse stacks up in the ACC. A couple of notable results have taken place over the first two games, and we're not judging everyone right now, but we'll take a look at where Syracuse lines up in the ACC. That all is coming up next. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki with Tim Leonard. We're with you every single weekday here. The only place to get daily SU pods. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day free and available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and that includes YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, even if you're already subscribed to us on other platforms as well. Drop a like on the videos and, and give us a review on Apple as well. Before we even get into the uh, Benny Williams conversation here, I do want to bring up one thing from, from yesterday's show. We did get a tweet this morning from someone that I want to bring up about our football predictions and us kind of projecting whether or not Syracuse is a bowl team. Um, mm -hmm. It comes from, hold on, let me bring this up here. Kriggs13, he's talking to us from yesterday's episode. Good episode, not to be that guy, but if you put each game as 30% chance of winning, then Syracuse has a 51% chance to go to a bowl game. So uh, I was told there would be no math, and then I, I looked up the math of it all, and he's right. So uh, go ahead, beat Tony Reality. Yeah, I, I can't do that math. Actually, yeah, when you like said that yesterday, I was like, that doesn't sound right, but also I'm not, I don't even understand how to do the math to calculate <laughs> what is the percentage. So I'm not even yeah. going to say anything. So, so shout we'll, out to we'll, him for being, we always like the, the fact airs, like the Tony realities checking in on us, making sure we're getting our facts straight there. I'm just saying 30% chance. I, I more look at it as there's a 30% chance of you winning that first game. And if you lose that first game against NC state, I feel like the probability goes down even more in that last game, but who knows? We'll see. Um, let's get into Benny Williams here because so far the start to his season, three points per game, one and a half rebounds, half an assist. He's shooting 37% from the field and he's getting about 19 minutes per game. I would imagine that Syracuse fans thought the start would be a little bit hotter so far. I'm not saying he was going to be averaging 15 and eight, but I think Syracuse fans maybe thought with the two soft opponents out of the gate, probably hovering around eight to 10 points per game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough question to answer. Should we be worried about him? No, but at the same time, sure. Like I'm a little worried because he had such high expectations, right? Mm -hmm. it, it just right. depends on what your definition of what you thought a good season was going to be for Benny Williams. He's been a little bit underwhelming through two games. And I guess you can count the exhibition games as well, where, he probably actually played a little bit better in those games, which makes sense because now you're going up in competition. But specifically this last game against Drexel just left a lot to be desired in terms of his shooting and his offensive prowess, I would say. And Jim Beheim summarized it pretty well after the game. He basically said, if you're a forward and you can't shoot, it's tough to make an impact on the game. And right now, Beheim put it point blank. He said he's not a good shooter right now. He's working really hard on his shot. But at the moment, I think his shot is a little bit behind what I thought it was going to be at this stage. By the way, speaking of Bayheim, happy birthday to Jim Bayheim. 77, yeah, 77 years old today. How about wow. that? Don't let don't let anyone tell you how old Warren Buffett is because that that'll that'll get him going. Um, 
Getting into the shot, though, I'm with you. I, I just haven't seen like a whole heck of a lot of volume, it feels like, on the shot. I thought that in some of these later scenarios where, let's say there's 10 minutes left, you're up by 20, I figured we'd see a little more of the development of Benny Williams and try to get him the ball, let him do something with his playmaking ability. I just feel like there would have been more moments tailored to him building his confidence. And I think the coaching staff has done a good job of putting him in position to do that and giving him the minutes to do that because it does feel like in those final 12 minutes of a blowout, he's out there pretty much until the walk-ons come in. And it just looks like a guy who's a little timid right now, but it's not like he hasn't had the splash sort of plays. Like he's had yeah, the he big has, dunks, right? the, the big blocks that go five rows back. So to me, it, it feels like there's a comfort level where it looks like he belongs. We just haven't seen him necessarily explode quite yet. I think his my perception of his potential and his ceiling has, if anything, gone up. Or just okay. seeing him out there, seeing how athletic he is, it yeah. really does look like a guy that has tons of potential, tons of NBA potential down the road. But at the same time, the thought of him going one and done feels pretty far-fetched right now as we sit here. Things can change, but... There was a lot of talk that he would be a one-and-done prospect. There was some talk that he would be second on this team in scoring. If betonline.ag was doing live odds on second on the team in scoring right now, I may have been in on that at the start of the season. I'd probably be selling, or maybe this is a good time to buy those odds, but the point is those odds are definitely dropping, right? Yeah. I know it's only been two games, but the way that he looks on offense, it seems like he's got a little bit more of a ways to go than maybe we would have thought. Yeah, I think, too, in terms of the, the second-leading score, he might not start a game. I know you and I thought that he would probably yeah. start at some point, maybe around ACC play. He'd be the, the full-time starter, but Jimmy Bayheim's looked fantastic early on, and I get it's weak opponents. It's probably opponents, really, that even though he's transferring up in terms of conferences, the, the opponents that they've gone up against are probably worse than some of the Ivies that he faced as well, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't see him cracking into the starting lineup at any point during the season just because, and it's not necessarily a Benny thing, it's more of a Jimmy thing. Jimmy's just played really well and steady and looks like he kind of fills all the holes that you need in the starting lineup from different players that you lost from a season ago where there's really no point in doing that. I, I think it's, I think you're in a good spot having Benny come off the bench. Yeah, I think it, his shot's just not really... At the level, it just comes back to the shot for me. And mm -hmm. when we saw that there was one shot in the Drexel game where he was felt relatively open in the baseline, maybe 17, 18 feet away from the basket on the right side, he caught it and it just took a while to kind of get through his shot. And again, it, I said this earlier in the week, but it felt like a guy that is working on a shot and you could almost see the gear sort of clicking in his head of it him trying of to remember. Like, yeah. He's at the driving range almost in games. Yeah, like as a golfer, I can relate to that because when you make a swing change or something, then you take it to tournament competition and all of a sudden it's a lot harder to translate it to those live scenarios. Right. Yeah. And if anyone out there has worked on their shot in basketball, it's one thing to knock it down at the free throw line when no one's guarding you. It's another thing to catch it and then have to go through the process in a quick live game situation. And right now it just feels like he's sort of in between shooting the way that he knows how to shoot and incorporating this new form to try and get his shot to have a little bit more elevation, I'm assuming, because that's something mm -hmm. Beheim yeah. talked about, how flat it is. And it is noticeably flat. So we were told 
maybe not, I shouldn't say we were told, but watching his film, hearing from his coaches and stuff, I was anticipating a guy that wasn't going to be a lights out three point shooter, but was going to be able to come around screens and hit that 15 foot jumper pretty consistently. And right now he can't do that. And it's just probably going to take a little bit longer for him to be an offensive gamer considering that. All right, I want to get into how much age is playing a factor here because he's out there with a lot of vets right now. And I want to look at what a progression plan for him looks like as well. But first, have you heard about prize picks? It is daily fantasy made easy. Tim and I love it. We know that you're going to love it too. They're the leader in college sports daily fantasy with more college football props than anybody in the world. And they offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players that you might not have even heard of. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And all users that deposit and use our promo code locked on will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just got to be sure to use that promo code locked on. Pick two to five players with an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times. That's right, 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks also allows you to mix sports up as well. So you can take a little bit of college football, college basketball, some NBA, some NFL, whatever you like, you can do it on Prize Picks. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. It only takes 60 seconds or less to put an entry in. That's right, 60 seconds or less, less than a minute, and Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com, use the promo code locked on or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I look at Benny and the lineups that he's in. It really is. It feels like you're bringing along little brother at times to the playground. Now, little brother has also been a very, very good player in his own right and is leveling up to uh, the lineups that he's out there in. But look at the the guys that he's out there with. He's out there a lot of times with Buddy and Cole and, and Gerard. Like, that's kind of tough for a guy like him to sort of acclimate in that sense. I'm looking at the the depth chart over the past five games that you can get on um, on Ken Palm. And Benny slots in at the three spot for the most part. He really hasn't played the four. I'm looking right now. He hasn't played the four, actually. So all of his well, time the is three coming in the four th- in Syracuse's system. It's the same to me. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't. It, yeah. What it basically is saying is that him and Jimmy will be the ones out there. They're very rarely out there together. They're more frequently um, being swapped in and out for each other on the floor. And mm-hmm. you look at some of the guys that he's out there with. You got Joe Girard, Jr., Buddy Beheim Sr., Cole Swider Sr. All those guys are bucket getters. And it's tough to sometimes find your niche, find your shot when you've got those sort of lineups out there. And then you've got your Jesse's and your Franks. They're not going to hog up a whole heck of a lot of shots from you. But let's be honest, if you're looking for a, a pass, let's say Joe Girard's looking to get some offense going inside, he's probably looking for Jesse or Frank over the top at a lot of these junctures. Yeah, so it's interesting because I think the positive spin that we put on that at the start of the year is Benny's not going to be forced to be some star freshman right away because he has these veterans. Then he can sort of work his way in. He can go at his own pace, which he's going to do, and that's, that's the positive twist on that. But that's a good point when you bring it up that way where all of a sudden he's out there, and when he gets the ball, there are several options right now, especially from a shooting standpoint. And just knowledge of Yeah, like they just have a lot of playmakers out there on offense. Maybe not playmakers, but a lot of shot makers for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he's just a little timid because he's working on his shot. And what I would tell him, and I'm sure Jim Beheim and the coaching staff 
are telling him is just be aggressive, keep driving. Yeah. And that's what Jim mm-hmm. Beheim was saying after the exhibition games. He got in the lane several times and he looked to pass and he made some really nice passes. And I think we've both been impressed by his passing and his vision and just that sense of the game. And there's been a lot of talk about even leading up to his time at Syracuse that he has some point forwardness to his game. He could really be right. that type of playmaker down the road. You can see that, but at the same time, he's got to look to finish because he can finish on these teams like a Colgate coming up. If he gets inside, he's going to be able to finish. I'm with you. Yeah. He should be able to get to the rim. I will say one thing that's been nice for him is defensively. He's been pretty strong. You look at some of the the numbers for him on Ken Palm defensively. He's one of the better players in terms of steal and block percentage. He right now, um, is second on the team in block percentage and second on the team in steal percentage. So when he's out there, he's making a difference. He's gotten steals, he's gotten blocks, and they really have been momentum-changing plays at that as well. So defensively, it looks like he fits. I know Jim kind of chided at him in the beginning of the season because he wasn't getting back on defense, and I get all that. That Again, I, I kind of said it from the start if that was your biggest concern on defense is guys like Frank and Benny not running back and, and maybe committing a little too much to the, to the offensive rebounding section of the game, that's a good thing. Cause that is a super simple fix. Right. The way I would summarize this is his defense probably looks, if anything, just as good or better than I thought his passing is probably better than I thought his athleticism is as advertised off the charts. Good. So he's passing every test except for shooting, which I guess you could say the good news is there. If he just improves his shot, then we've got a really great player. But I go back to that quote I said about Beheim: If you're not shooting well, it's tough to impact the game, at least in Syracuse's offense. And given the nature of what they have out there on offense at every given point that he's going to be out there, like you were talking about. So the shooting is the concern. And I just don't know if that gets better overnight. If you're struggling, it's not like, you know, Buddy came in and he was not hitting shots. He was just in a shooting slump. This feels like you can noticeably tell that his shot needs work. It needs to get more elevation in order to be good. I mean, maybe he'd probably be better off right now just going with what he's got and using his flatter jumper. But if he wants to reach his potential, they have to work on his form. And when it's a form thing, it feels like it's going to take some time before he starts you know, dropping threes in conference play or something like that. Right. That's something you you get in the gym working with your positional coaches like GMAC or something like that. Um, I, I'm looking back at, at Malachi's start, and, and he came out pretty strong. He had double figures in each of his first six games as a collegiate player, and then he struggled a little bit against Wisconsin in that Big Ten ACC game. And I don't think it, it's the most fair comparison to make to, to Malachi because Malachi was more of a shooter, but – he had a lot more confidence coming into the game, it felt like, than what Benny has right now. And, and Benny right now might be thinking to himself, listen, we got a pretty good thing going. I'm not here to try to rock the boat. And to me, that's the sign of a mature freshman, too, who is kind of going through some of these growing pains right now and really understands what his role is. He's not a starter. He's coming off the bench. And just when I'm called, when my number is called by Bayheim to go into the game, I need to step up, and I think he's done that mostly defensively because that is the biggest glaring weakness of this team heading into this season. I mean, the splash plays that he's made with the blocks and and some of the steals, just keep doing that because that ultimately is going to to lead to winning basketball. I don't think Benny Williams has to average 10, 12 points for this team to be winning games. 
No, he doesn't, which is great. And it's going to click at some point for Benny. I'm still confident in that. I wouldn't worry from a standpoint of, oh, he just isn't ever going to be as good as we thought. It just might take longer for him to click than I thought initially. And that's kind of where I'm at. Am I worried? Maybe a little bit because we were told that he was going to be more of probably an impact player right away. And it does seem to me like he's got a little bit of timidness on offense, but that's typical for a freshman. And it's tough to come in and and level up. And this is pretty common. You know, you look at five-star freshmen across the country. Ty Ty Washington's first game for Kentucky goes, what, two for 13, yeah, two for 14. Really struggled. It's when you're playing a different role, when you're playing on a new team, new system, it's challenging. I think he's going to get there. I think he's going to have games this year where he scores 20 points. I really believe that. It's just he's probably only going to average five or six points on the season, whereas at the start of the year, I might have said nine or ten. Right. And right now, the, the competition's about to amp up. You've got Colgate. You've got VCU. Both of those teams, top 125 in Ken Palm. The two teams that you've played before are 181 and 313. And then you get into the meat of your schedule, maybe your toughest three-game stretch of the season when you go Indiana at Florida State and then MSG with Villanova. That's not going to be an easy stretch, and you would have liked to have Benny along maybe a little bit further by that point. We'll see. Again, he still has a couple games to iron some things out, but I almost look at his development track as sort of a rookie quarterback in the NFL, which is something that both you and I can relate to right now, you being a Pats fan, I'm me being a Bears fan. Again, the first game is rarely going to be good. There's a reason why rookie quarterbacks do not get to the playoffs very often. It takes a real special player to do that. But I look at it as like, again, those first couple games might be ugly. They may take some sacks. They may hold the ball a little too long. They may throw some passes that, and they just don't understand the angles of the NFL. That might be what Benny's going through right now. He maybe doesn't understand how these angles close up a lot quicker at the college level, how guys are a lot bigger, have much longer wingspans. And once he sort of figures that out and the game, quote unquote, slows down for him, he looks like a smart player out there. He really does. It, very yeah. rarely do I see him making wrong plays. It's just that sometimes with A, the amount of time that he has touching the basketball coupled with the the amount of time that he's really in the game, it's kind of tough at times to to make that splash impact when he's probably used to playing 35 minutes a game or so. Right. Again, it's everything but the shooting so far. And by all accounts, he's a tremendous worker and has a great work ethic so that he should be fine on that front long term. He's probably more of a Justin Fields as in opposed to Mac Jones in our comparison, just because mm -hmm. you can see the ceiling is there. And like yeah. I said, his ceiling hasn't changed for me. I mean, those blocks he's making yeah. are stuff that no one else on the roster that's is even a, thinking That'll play about. in the ACC. Mm -hmm. That'll yeah, play. So that's... <laughs> I mean, that plays everywhere. The stuff that he's doing defensively, his athleticism. It He's a true Syracuse player on a team that doesn't have a lot of true Syracuse players from an yeah. athleticism standpoint. So yeah. I think he's going to be fine. I just would say right now my expectations have tempered because I thought his shot was going to be a little bit better at this point of the year. Yeah, that's all. That's all very fair. All right. When we come back, we will see where Syracuse is stacking up in the ACC because, spoiler, conference looks pretty down this year. So this yeah. might be a year that, not ripe for the taking, but Syracuse could certainly find itself maybe in the top three. We'll explore those paths in just a little bit. But this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, 
Your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. And with NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying ahead of the competition. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for a special year-end financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash NCAA. All right, guys, if you haven't tried a built bar by now, I really just don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you're waiting on. You are truly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one at all. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Tyler and I love them. And most protein bars, they're chalky, they're waxy, they're just plain hard to chew. A built bar is the opposite it is soft, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you are eating something different. And best of all, it's somehow healthy for you as well. It's like a candy bar that is good for you. It's low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being just purely delicious. They've got so many great flavors. And this month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out on that. Just go to Built.com. Use our promo code. That's LOCKED15. It gets you 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is locked, the number 15 for 15% off at built.com. One thing I wanted to talk about, too, and it kind of tied into the, the quarterback conversation we were having just a moment ago with your guy being Mac Jones, my guy being Justin Fields. That one of the topics that, that's come up in Chicago is, do you have Mac Jones envy? If you're a Bears fan right now, like you had a chance to take Mac Jones and Mac Jones right now looks like the best of all the rookie quarterbacks. And it's one of those things where, no, I don't because I see the ceiling on my player. And I kind of look at it the same way with Benny. It's like, do you have envy of some of the other freshmen or newcomers in, in the ACC right now? And my answer is no. It's a, it's still very early. I mean, and it's not like you're comparing it to to like Trevor Keels or something. Cause like Trevor Keels or, or Paolo Bancaro, like those guys were going to Duke all along. Right. They, they yeah. weren't coming to Syracuse. So it's no, I, I don't have that envy of, of maybe having some of these other freshmen that are, are playing well in the ACC right now, because I like my well, guy. It's also, yeah, Syracuse has never really been a place for freshmen to come in and feast, almost like Villanova in a way as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say there's a lot of articles out there that I've seen that are kind of like Benny is impacting the game in so many other ways. And I feel like the fan base is almost sort of, just trying to lean into all the things that he's doing well, there's still a part of me that's like, okay, guys, let's let's be real here. He's played two games, and he's not scoring a whole lot against some weak competition. So I am a little worried, but I say that to say that it's not like I'm ready to right. you know sell my Benny stock or something. Right. It's just where I'm at. Yeah, there's not a pit in my stomach. I'm not losing sleep overnight with it. It, it is right. what it is right now. It's an early development plan for a freshman coming off the bench. All right, let's get into the ACC right now because a couple of notable results from over the past week. Florida State loses to Florida. Louisville, they dropped a game. And, I mean, Louisville, they, they lose to Furman in overtime. That came on Friday. They bounced back with a victory against Navy. But 
Right now, the ACC not looking too hot. Virginia lost two games, and they lost the opener against, yeah. uh, what was that, Navy? Or, or was it? It was Navy. Yeah, Navy. And then, yeah. and then they lose to Houston last night in a game that was never close from start to finish. So you're looking at the ACC right now. I think North Carolina's played a couple of games that are a little bit closer than they probably would have liked as well. Do you see Syracuse as maybe like a top four team in the ACC at this point? So I'm not even that high on Syracuse because we really can't gather a ton from the first two games. But as it sits here right now, if you're making an ACC power ranking, it's hard to put three teams ahead of Syracuse or four teams ahead of Syracuse. I mean, I think we're all in agreement as much as it pains us to say this, that Duke is the best team right now. And And then for me, it's it's a tear drop off after Duke. And then it gets into... Got to give some credit to Virginia Tech. I think yep. they crushed Navy, who or we talked about Virginia lost to yeah. Louisville, also beat Navy as well. But we talk about Florida those leave State, no doubt games for forty minutes against some of these early competition teams. That's what they've done. They have left no yeah. doubt for forty minutes. Right. I think Florida State. If you were power ranking it, you'd probably have to put Syracuse ahead of them because they have a loss, and it was a pretty bad loss the way that they got sort of clobbered in the second half against Florida, but. Florida's a good team. It's a team that, you know, they if they had lost to Florida, it's not that shocking to me. It's just sort of the way that they lost that game in the second half after leading at halftime was a bit concerning. And I think Syracuse and even UNC, UNC has not looked as good as Syracuse in terms of just their body of work so far. They played a couple teams in the 200s on Ken Palm, and they've been very tight and trailing at the half in those games. But at the same time, I, I do think, as someone that watches UNC fairly closely being down here, they oh, actually do look pretty pretty good overall. Like, I don't know. I think they've addressed some of the issues points. they've had in recent years. Yeah. So they're putting up potential points. wise, they're probably ahead of Syracuse. I hate to say that, but that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. So right now, I mean, you kind of get into the conversation. Duke's one, Virginia Tech right now is number two. And then it's that bunched up tier. Again, we're talking about the here and now, not about projecting out down the road, but just based on the body of work that you'd seen, it, it's a conversation between Florida State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, North Carolina. Maybe you lump Clemson in there because they're 3-0, and but you still have a little bit to see out of the Tigers. And I look at, with a team like Notre Dame, they've been solid early on. They're a team that right now, in Ken Palm, is one spot ahead of Syracuse. They're 38, Syracuse is 39. And just off of Ken Palm right now, Syracuse is fifth in the ACC. But I still kind of like the prospects of Syracuse long-term over a team like Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to be pretty solid this year and probably nipping on the heels of Syracuse for a lot of the season. And it'd be great to see the, the Joe Girard-Prentice-Hub rivalry get renewed again. But right. this, is a, this is a team that I do think Syracuse is better than. Yeah, and put it this way. I don't have a ton of teams. If you were to ask me right now, who are for sure NCAA tournament teams in the ACC? It's a small list, right? Like Duke, UNC, uh, Florida. I think Virginia State, Tech. I would say. Virginia Tech. Yeah, and even Tech. Virginia Tech. Like, if I had to guess right now, they're probably what a seven seed, eight seed, six seed. Like, they're not yeah. a great team. It's just the conference is so down that we have to put them up at number two. I do think they're a pretty solid team and going to be pretty consistent. But then you look at the bottom half. NC State has looked rough. They lost Manny Bates for the yeah. year. That's a huge loss for them. Right. They almost lost to Colgate. They were down to Central Connecticut at the half last night. And Central Connecticut's 348 on Kempom or something. So 
they were favored by like 30 in that game and sort of were in a fight all of a sudden. Miami's lost. Georgia Tech's lost. BC plays Rhode Island tonight. We'll see. I mean, I don't think they're going to be an, an NCAA tournament team. Wake, Pitt, same thing. So there's a lot of teams that we can pretty much scratch off even. Like, I, I mean, it's early, yeah. right? Like NC mm -hmm. State could figure it out. I think Virginia is a team that you look at right now and you say they've looked about as bad as anyone in the conference so far, but it's still Tony Bennett. It's still Virginia. There's still a culture there that maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah, they'll have Overall, a coaching advantage though, in nearly every game. Yeah, it's just Syracuse is – I don't even like Syracuse that much, and I would say right now they bumped up to the five or four spot for me. Just looking at – Ken Palm kind of sums up to the power of each conference. And right now – of the power six, that includes the Big East, the ACC is sitting at sixth of those six conferences. They've teetered the Big back. Big East in, is back, uh, by the way. How about that? Yeah, Four yeah. wins in the Gavit game so yeah, far? Yeah, with a couple more that could be coming later on today. Um, but no, I I do think that with Syracuse, that there is a path for them to be the, that third or fourth team in the ACC. There certainly is. Again, you're going to have to take care of business because looking at the Orange's schedule, in terms of the double-up games, I think you're being given a pretty good gift in the sense that you're going to take yeah, on you Pitt twice. You're going to take on, I believe, Wake Forest twice is on that list as well. Miami has not looked very good. They almost lost yesterday to, to Florida Atlantic after coughing away a big lead. You're going to get them twice. So, and Boston BC College, twice, of course, right? Yep, Boston I mean, College, of course. And yeah. again, it's those those bottom three teams that, okay, you got to beat up on. You got to go against the Miami, Pitt, BC, and Wake grouping. You have to go seven and one. You have to go seven and one if you want to be considered among the best. And that one loss probably has to be Miami on the road. It feels to me like that year right before COVID happened where Syracuse finished six in the ACC, but they were outside the bubble. I could see them having their best ACC record in the last post-Tyler Ennis years here. So the last seven yeah. years, I guess you would say, because they, in order to finish fifth or fourth in the ACC, I mean, the sixth team in the ACC might be a bubble team this year. That's just how I'm viewing the conference right now. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, that's going to do it for us here on today's Locked on Syracuse. Tomorrow we'll be back. We'll be previewing NC State, getting you ready for the Wolfpack. Can Syracuse clinch that bye game, or that bowl game, rather, tomorrow, or rather on Saturday? My days are all mixed up right now. <laughs> um, against the Wolfpack. Can they do that? It is going to be a very, very tough test down in Raleigh, so we'll break all that down tomorrow on the show, and then we'll get you ready for Colgate on Friday's show as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.